Good morning, everyone. It is good to see you. He is risen. Good job. Good job. It's so wonderful to see you guys. Um, I'm going to read our call to worship, and, and then uh, and I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to just do what you guys are here to see anyway. So um, the verse is Mark 16, verses 1 through 8. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they could go and anoint him. Very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they went to the tomb at sunrise. They were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? Looking up, they noticed that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he told them. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they put him, but go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you. Then they went out and ran from the tomb because trembling and astonishment overwhelmed them. And they said nothing to anyone since they were afraid. Some of the earliest messages. Oh. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for this opportunity to come to your house. Lord, we just thank you for, for Easter and as Christians and what it means to us, Lord. And help us to just celebrate the fact that when they got to that tomb, it was rolled away and Jesus' body was not in there. Lord, we thank you so much for that. Help us to go through this week and just try to find somebody to tell that to. And, um, and Lord, again, we just thank you for this church. We thank you for all of the things that you have blessed us with. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
When you and your church give, you send hope. In small towns, big cities, and college campuses, God uses your sacrificial giving and your partnership with the North American Mission Board to make this happen over and over again. And at NAM, we think it's important for you to know how God uses your gifts to produce results. Southern Baptist churches like yours fund North American missions through two primary sources. First, through cooperative programs. Your gifts to the CP typically come from your church budget and then go directly to your state convention. Each state then sends a portion of that money to the SBC Executive Committee, and from there, more than half of CP goes to the International Mission Board. NAM, SBC seminaries, and other entities receive a percentage as well. NAM receives 22.79% of cooperative program dollars. We use those funds to support evangelism events, to support ministry centers and missionaries, to endorse chaplains, and for operations. Altogether, those funds make up 35% of our budget. But the largest part of NAM's budget, 50%, comes from the Annie Armstrong Easter offering for North American missions. More than 100 years ago, this offering was named for a bold missions advocate who rallied SBC churches in support of missionaries. Today, Southern Baptists have thousands of missionaries serving in North America. They are spreading the gospel through Sin Network, our church planning arm, and Sin Relief, our evangelistic compassion ministry area. And when you give to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering through special offerings, your church budget, or directly to NAM, you're helping these missionaries by providing the fuel to assess, train, coach, and care for them. It helps pay for things like Bibles, curriculum, ministry equipment, or even rent for a worship facility. Some churches may refer to this offering as the North America missions offering or something else. Whatever you choose to call the Annie Armstrong Easter offering, it is unique because every dollar goes directly to support missionaries where the need and the opportunity are the greatest. It goes all over North America, including our largest, most influential cities where the gospel presence has been on the decline. Your giving helps plant new, reproducing churches. And now, in many urban areas, we're starting to gain ground. It goes to places like international and refugee communities where tens of thousands of people, many from countries close to the gospel, move every year. Your giving is sending missionaries to love them and share the hope of Christ. In a hundred different ways, in a thousand different places, all of your gifts are enabling missionaries to start new churches, baptize new believers, and make disciples. That's how your giving works. As you pray and give, we at the North American Mission Board are so grateful to be your partner, helping you fulfill the Great Commission. Together with you and your church, every day we are sending hope. Happy Easter, church. Let's try that one more time. Happy Easter, church. There you go. That sounds great. This morning, I know that uh, that is a lot to digest about the North American Mission Board, especially the Annie Armstrong offering. But um, this morning, when I picked up my phone for the first time and I started checking messages, it's just heartwarming and it's a blessing to see so many missionaries around the world that are proclaiming what we are proclaiming through being in this church service today, and that is that our Savior lives. 
and a large portion in a large project that is now going on that is not talked about in that video because it was made before um, a lot this component was put in, but the Sin Relief and Disaster Relief and so several of the other organizations are now pulling together and we're actually on the ground and today the first Kentucky team leaves to go to work in Poland to work with the refugees and they'll be doing that each month over through the summer all the way through September as of right now. But all of that money that you guys um, contribute to the Annie Armstrong offering, that goes so we can continue that kind of mission work. And today, I shared in the first service that uh, my friend Greg Steer put this out, that today of all days, we need to act like the ladies at the tomb. And need, we need to run out of this building today proclaiming the fact that our Savior lives on this Easter day, but just not on this Easter day, but each day of our lives. So hopefully today that you find that kind of fire and that passion. If you haven't had it lately, pray about it. Get in tune with God because he has this message and this gift that he's given us. And we want to make sure that everybody that we know that comes in contact with us, comes in contact with the church, people that come in contact with believers everywhere, know that Jesus Christ died on a cross, but he didn't stay there. And that more importantly, that today we celebrate a risen Savior who gives us an opportunity to bridge that gap between us and God that sin created. So that is our prayer for today. If you're a guest today, we want, especially want to say welcome to you. But you're really not a guest. Because if you are a friend of our fathers, you're a friend of ours. And we just welcome you into the house today. Thank you for joining us for worship. If there's anything that we can do for you while you're here, don't hesitate to let us know. We just ask that you give us an opportunity maybe to meet you personally. You can do that by stopping at the desk on your way out. We have wonderful people that are stationed today to meet any need that you might have. And if you have an opportunity, if you take a picture of the QR code that should be on the chair in front of you, and just fill that out. We would have a great record of your visit today, and we want to contact you personally. But today is the day that we rejoice, right? And today is the day that we want to celebrate, right? But more importantly, today is the day that we want to commit and renew our commitment to God, who's done so much for us today. And as we get ready for worship today, I just ask that you join with me for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to be in your house today. What a beautiful day. We've been here and we've watched the sun come up during a sunrise service and we celebrated a risen victory. And Father, we thank you for allowing your son to die on a cross and shed his blood so we might have eternal life and we can find forgiveness for our sins through that same blood. And today, Father, as we gather in this place as friends, as family, from near and far, we come to celebrate and lay at your feet a praise offering because we know that you're the only one that could deliver us. And today, as we gather in this place, a special blessing put upon Harold as he breaks the word for us today. Allow that word to penetrate our hearts and change us in a mighty way so we'd be in mission for you today. Be with our praise team as they continue to lead us through worship. Thank you for the blessing of those young voices that say that we won't be silent. And today of all days, Father, make us bold and not silent. Let us always proclaim the love of your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we can't say thank you enough. But in your son's name, we pray all these 
thanks and these praises to you today, Father. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, hello again. If we look confused, it's because no one is in their normal seats today. Everybody is all, it was just a great problem to have. We were just so happy to see you guys today. Stand up this morning, turn around, make a new friend, and invite, introduce yourself to someone you don't know and tell them you're happy to see them in church.
sound awesome this morning. Have a seat. Have a seat. So we, uh, we started singing this song a couple of uh, Easter's ago. I don't know, is it you? Are you responsible for this, I think? But uh, it's just such a good song. It just tells just the story of Christ in those three days where he went to the cross, went to the tomb, and then they got there and he was, he was resurrected. So uh, just because you're sitting down doesn't mean you don't have to sing with us. So if you know the words, sing with us.
Man, happy Resurrection Day. Happy Resurrection Day. So good to see you this morning. Uh, we're going to celebrate the resurrection this morning. Uh, we want to begin just with a time of remembering the cross. And uh, hopefully you got some of the juice and bread when you came in. If you didn't, if you'll raise your hand, uh, Jason will get that to you. Just raise your hand up. This is a, an opportunity for us as believers. If you're a believer Walking in fellowship with the Lord Jesus, uh, we invite you to participate with us as we're reminded of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And, and listen, church, there's really no greater time of worship than when the, the family of God gathers and remembers and celebrates the Lord's Supper. And so we're going to take just a moment and let you get that. And thank you, Jason, for that. <laughs> That's all right. Good to see you all this morning. Uh, while he's passing that out, I'll just tell you we we probably got room for you every Sunday, and uh, so you you come back and we'll celebrate the resurrection every every week. Amen. Yeah. I see a lot of guests today. Thank you for joining us. So always blessed uh, to have you. You're all right. You're all right. Trey's going to help you. I got I got a few up here. You got some up there? That better not be that. 
I won't do that. Amen. I guess we should have got a couple guys to do that, shouldn't we? We put that on the list. We'll put that on the list for next year. You know, the one thing that COVID has done is uh, introduced us to these little things that make it easier to to pause in the service and remember. Uh, anyway, Friday night we we looked to the cross and we talked about the last opportunity that Jesus had with his disciples. The night he would be betrayed, he gathered for the Passover meal and we talked about that and it was during that meal that that Jesus told us about a new covenant that was uh, in His blood and by His body. And so I'm going to read a, a parallel account uh, this morning, Matthew 26. And uh, I'm still waiting for you, but I, while they were eating, Jesus took bread and He gave thanks and broke it. And so let's, uh, let's pause for a moment, examine our hearts, prepare our hearts to remember the sacrifice. Father, we come rejoicing this morning. It's Resurrection Day, and that means so much to us. That tomb was empty. We celebrate that. Lord, we remember the cross and all that you went through to bear my sins and the sins of those who've trusted in your name. And Father, we want to confess all of our sins. We, we don't want any hidden spots in our lives. We want to confess those sins and we know that if we confess them, you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Make us clean and pure in your sight today because of the blood of Jesus. And may we take these moments to remember what you did for us on the cross at Calvary. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So he took the bread and he gave thanks and broke it. He gave it to his disciples saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Church, this bread represents the body of Jesus. Let's eat it in His remembrance. Verse 27 says, Then He took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is... My blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And so we drink this in remembrance of His blood. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we remember what Jesus did for us. Lord, we were hopelessly lost. We are dead. We were on a road that leads to hell, condemned in our sins, and Jesus came to rescue us. And He'd stretch out His hands and be nailed to a cross for my wretched sin. He would shed His blood, and we know that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of our sins, and so we thank You today, and we remember that today, and uh, we pray You would live in light of your sacrifice and resurrection. And Lord, we've already seen you save some today. We pray you would save more, that they would experience your mercy, that they would come into your family, that their eyes would be open, that they would understand the, the beauty of the gospel this morning. We pray for that. 
Lord, speak to us and remove distractions and allow us to hear and give us receptive hearts. Lord, we'll give you all the praise for everything you accomplish in these minutes. We love you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you've got your Bible, I'd love for you to turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter, we're going to talk about our living hope, the living hope of Easter. And uh, the last few weeks, we've been talking about some of the last words that Jesus spoke on the cross. And today, we come to celebrate the greatest event in history. Now, who thinks that's a big statement? The greatest event. Now, there's been lots of big events, important events, but to, today we celebrate the greatest event. There is nothing as significant to us as the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It is our living hope. It's, it's why we celebrate. It's, it means so much to us today, and we'll talk about that. I'd love for you to stand, and uh, we're going to read First Peter Verses chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. I want to thank the children today. What a great job they did. Thank you, Greg and Krishna, for working with them. That was awesome. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. You may be seated and we'll ask the Lord to, to bless His Word. Last week we ended in, in Luke chapter 23. Jesus said these final words, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then He breathed His last. And we talked about the story. Joseph of Arimathea went to Pilate, asked for the body was granted permission. He, they took the body down. They laid Jesus' body in a tomb that had never been used before. And for His disciples and for the followers of Jesus, this was the worst moment of their life. They had left everything behind to follow Jesus, and now Jesus was, was dead. And maybe the most appropriate dis word to describe them was, was hopeless. After the cross, they were hopeless. If Jesus had remained dead, if His body stayed in that tomb, they would have been without hope, and we would have been without hope. But 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says that Christ, if Christ wasn't raised, we are of all people most to be pitied. But we know, and we come this morning knowing that, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. And So, so Peter talks about our, our living hope, a hope that's been made possible through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so I want us to just briefly consider our living hope this morning. We talk a lot about the gospel. The gospel is God's plan to redeem sinful man. We want to be gospel people. We want to be people who speak regularly about the gospel. We want to be a gospel church. We want to be a church that goes out there with the good news. And so when we talk about the gospel, the gospel starts with God. We have a creator we're not here by accident. Our God created us, and uh, our God is holy. That means He is separated from sin. He is perfect in all of His ways. He is perfect in power, knowledge, wisdom, righteousness. He's perfect in all things. Our God created us. He created all things, and at the pinnacle of His creation, He created man, and He made us in His image. He gave us dominion over His creation. 
And uh, listen, we know from Genesis that God gave man every good thing to enjoy. He gave man everything except the fruit of one tree, and that was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You can have everything else, and we know that man decided to disobey God. Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden fruit. We call that sin. Church, we know that sin has consequences. Sin separates us from God. Sin leads to death and condemnation. And so sin separates us from God because He's holy and we're sinful. And so you want some more bad news? God's not going to allow sin into heaven. That's the bad news. And, and listen, we don't have a room full of people to hear bad news this morning. The good news, and we have good news, uh, is that there's a word in verse 5 of 1 Peter 1. That, that word is salvation. Soterion, that word means to rescue or it means deliverance. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus came to our rescue. He became sin for us. He, he came to be our substitute. He came to pay our sin debt, to die in our place. And the fact that salvation has been made available through the cross and, and the resurrection of Jesus means that we have a living hope. So let's look at our text, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The first thing I want you to notice is the source of our salvation. And we know that God is the source of our salvation. We, we don't have to be overly particular about defining the different rows within the Godhead. Jesus said in John 10, verse 30, I and the Father are one. In John 14, 9, He says, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But someone has said that in regards to salvation, the Father planned it, the Son accomplished it, and the Spirit applies it. And I like that. The Father in eternity past, He had a plan to redeem us. The Son came uh, to earth to accomplish it. He accomplished it through the cross. And the Spirit applies what the Son accomplished on the cross and the resurrection. And church, we are the beneficiaries and so we bless God. We bless the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We adore Him. We appraise Him. Next, we see the basis of our salvation. It says, according to His great mercy. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again. What's the basis of our salvation? Well, it's mercy. And not just mercy, it's great mercy. You're familiar with Ephesians 2.1? It says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. You all know what dead means, don't you? We were dead in our trespasses and sins in which we once walked following the, the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. Listen, we were dead, but verse 4 says, But God being rich in mercy. We were dead, but God was rich in mercy. He made us alive together in Christ. Listen, mercy speaks of our miserable, sinful condition. We were dead in sin. But mercy also speaks of not getting what we deserve. Church, what we deserve is hell. The wages of sin is death and separation and condemnation. That's what we deserve. John MacArthur said that divine mercy takes the sinner from misery to glory. From misery to glory. Aren't you thankful for the mercy of God? Yeah. According to His great mercy, He has caused who, who's He caused? He's caused us. Because of His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again according, again, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
doesn't that speak of the benefit of our salvation? And the benefit of our salvation is, is hope. And Peter says it's a living hope. Peter says that our salvation results in us having a living hope. Uh, many people hope for things in this world. And the way we use hope is, is, is wanting something to come to pass. Scripturally, though, it's a, it, it's a certainty. It, it's a certainty of good things. We, we hope in the things of this world, and they don't last. They wear out. They disappoint. But Peter says that as believers, we have a living hope. And listen... Because we have a living hope, even when the worst thing happens, death, tragedy, even when the worst thing happens, we still have hope. And that's why Paul was able to say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul says, I want to live, but to die is to, is to go and to, to be. It's far better to go and to be with Him. And so these, these verses, these three verses are so rich Verse 3 not only shows us the source of our salvation, but the surety of our salvation. A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so we came this morning, we got dressed up this morning, we got excited this morning to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now some people may ask, what's the big deal of the resurrection? We shake our hands and say, what do you mean, what's the big deal of the resurrection? Listen, the resurrection verifies the fact that Christ's death paid in full the sacrifice for our sins. It paid him for our sin debt. God accepted the debt, the payment that Jesus made, and he raised him from the dead. Paul discusses the, the importance of the resurrection in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We, we look at that a lot, but let me just read a few of these verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? And so there were some people saying, ah, listen, I don't believe in that resurrection from the dead. And so Paul says, listen, if Christ is not raised from the dead, everything that we live for and believe is, is meaningless. Verse 13, if there be no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised from the dead. Verse 14 says that if Christ has not been raised from the dead, then our preach, I mean, if Christ, I'm wasting my time this morning if Christ is not raised from the dead. If Christ is not raised from the dead, your faith is in vain. Well, especially those people that came to the sunrise service. They were really foolish to get up if Christ has not been raised from the dead. They got, they got up early this morning. And it's foolish to study and witness and serve and pray. All that is foolish if Christ is not raised. Verse 15 says, We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified that God has been raised from Christ, that God, that He raised Christ. Whom he did not raise, if it is true that, listen, if, if Christ is not raised from the dead, he, he just says, you Christians are a bunch of liars, basically. Verse 17, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. If Christ is not raised, you're still going to hell, basically. And, and verse 18, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are perished. Your loved ones that you've lost, they, they've They've died and gone to hell as well if Christ is not raised. In verse 19, if, Christ, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. We're foolish if Christ is not raised. And then we get to verse 20, Christ has been raised. from. Listen, we know that. We celebrate that this morning. And because Christ has been raised, Jesus is able to save us. 
He's able to give us new life. He's able to rescue us from sin and transform us into the image, in His image for His glory. And so, uh, you remember when Lazarus was sick and he, he died and they called for Jesus and when he got there, he said to Martha in John 11, 25 and 26, he says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asked a question, do you believe this? Let me ask you this morning, do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Do you believe that Jesus was raised from the dead? And have you allowed that fact to change your life? Listen, I, I believe Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. Listen, I got, I got lots of buddies that believe that. And, and I preached their funeral. They believe that Jesus was, and so even though they die, yet they live. And they will live forever. That's the victory that we have in Jesus. A victory that's been made available to all who will turn from their sins and put their faith, their trust in Jesus Christ. And so the resurrection should ensure that, that, uh, that Jesus has paid in full for our salvation. Then verse 4, uh, it shows us the superiority of our salvation. Notice verse 4, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Now, if you want to, if you write in your Bible, circle that word inheritance because it is the key to our hope. Now, everybody knows what an inheritance is. It's, it's wealth that's passed down. It's, uh, it's, it's wealth that you receive from someone in your family when they, when they pass away. Listen, when we come to faith in Christ, we are brought into the family of God. Romans 8, 17 says that we are heirs of God and fellow heirs with Jesus. That's good news, church. We are brought into the family. We're heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus. Listen, what an inheritance. Far superior to any earthly inheritance we may get. Listen, you know, you're not going to take your earthly inheritance with you when you die. Did you all know that? Some people act like they're going to take it with them. They, they fight over it and get all mad about this. You're not going to take that with you. But this inheritance that we're promised from God, listen, it is so superior. First of all, <coughs> it's imperishable. It's not corruptible. It's, it's not subject to destruction. Listen, our eternal inheritance will never be lost or taken away. Second, it's undefiled. That, the word means unpolluted or unstained. Listen, our, our earthly inheritance, they, they can defile us. They, they can lead to covetousness and greed, and all other yucky stuff. I, I've seen that when someone dies. That's our earthly inheritance, but not our spiritual. And so our inheritance, our, our hope of heaven is perfect. It's flawless. Then Peter says it's unfading. Every now and then I buy Jenny some flowers. Not very often, do I? But anyway, here's what happens to them things. They, they just die. They, you, they, they quickly wither away. And uh, it's like so many things in this world. They, they lose their luster and their shine. But listen, our, in, our eternal inheritance is, is so much different. In, in regards to our earthly inheritance, a lot of people are worried that something's going to happen to it. Somebody's going to steal their inheritance or somebody's going to change the will or they're going to lose out. 
That might happen to your earthly inheritance, but it won't happen to your spiritual inheritance. Notice the security of our salvation, number three. Number four, at the end of verse four, it is kept in heaven. And so it's pretty clear that our inheritance is secured in heaven. It's kept in heaven. The word kept, reserved, it means guarded or watched over. Nobody is going to take your inheritance. It is secured for you. You remember what Jesus said in, in Matthew 6, 19? He said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves might break in and steal. That's, that's earthly treasures. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We've we got to be a little more heavenly minded and lay up treasures in heaven. And then Peter says in verse 5, Who by God's power, whose power? Man's power? No, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed. If something is guarded by God's power, would you say it's secure? Take your head like yes. Yeah, I would say that. If I were to tell you that my salvation is guarded by God's power, do you think I should have some eternal security? Yeah. I think Peter wants us to have security in our salvation. Paul certainly did. You're familiar with Romans chapter 8. Verse 37, now in all these things we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. And then Paul says, for I am sure, I'm persuaded that neither life nor death nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor heights nor depth nor anything else in all creation. I'm sure that nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen, we can have security. So God's power are being guarded through faith. It's safeguarded through faith. Now, let me ask you this. Where does our faith come from? Do we muster it up? No, shake your head like this. It's a gift. It's a gift. You know this. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Not of works lest we boast. What's the gift? Faith, for by grace are you saved through faith, it is a gift from God. It is a gift. Does God give something and then take it back? No. Shake your head, no. He doesn't give us something and take it back. Paul was sure of that. Philippians 1.6, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work. What kind of work did, did he begin? A work of faith. Paul says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will complete it, will bring it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. I'm sure of it. Jesus said, and we looked at this the last few weeks in John 10, 28, I give them eternal life, they shall never perish. No one's going to snatch them out of my hands. And if you don't think you're secure in Jesus' hands, he says, my Father is greater than all. No one's going to pluck them out of his hands. It's the security that we have because we are protected and held by God through faith. And then Peter reminds us that our salvation, our hope, is ready to be revealed in the last time. It's set to be revealed. Now, we've talked about different aspects of our salvation lots of times. I, I was saved when I was 16. I was a self-righteous. God saved me. He declared me righteous. He forgave my sins, wiped those away, and declared me, clothed me. That, that's my justification. I was saved. Listen, I am being saved. That's my sanctification. 
God is working in my life. The Spirit is working in my life, making me more and more like Jesus. He prunes me sometimes, and He convicts me sometimes. He's got a lot of work to do in my life. I am being saved, and then one day I will be saved. That's, that's glorification. I'll, I'll be made like Christ. I'll see Him as He is. And so I was saved, I am being saved, and one day I will be saved. Peter tells us that the future aspect of our salvation is ready to be, it's complete. It's awaiting us. Our inheritance will be revealed in full at the return of Jesus Christ. And we can read about that at the end of Revelation. Why don't you think about this? In the Old Testament, when God brought the people of Israel out of bondage, and eventually they made it to the promised land, and when they got there, they divided up the land amongst the tribes, or the, the, 12, the children of Israel. They each got an allotment of land based upon the number of them. But to the Levites, they, they didn't get any land. Joshua 13.33 reminded them that the Lord was their inheritance. The Lord, you, you don't need a piece of land, you've got the Lord. Listen, the, the psalmist understood that. Psalm 73, verse 25 says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Verse 26, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Did you hear that? The psalmist said, the Lord is my portion. I want you to get that this morning. The Lord is our inheritance. I want you to hope in Christ. This morning we celebrate Christ. We celebrate His death on the cross and His resurrection from the grave. Listen, I want you to know that Jesus came to bring deliverance. He came to save us from our sins. And it was through His death and, and resurrection that He won the victory over sin and death and hell. He's our hope. We have a living hope. Now, something I didn't point out, let me do it quickly here. In verse 3, it says, Our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ. There's four words. They're so important. Lord just reminds us that He is sovereign Lord. He rules sovereignly. Jesus reminds us that He is the incarnate Son of God. God became man in the person of Jesus. And Christ reminds us that He is the anointed Messiah and King. But that little word at the beginning is are. O-U-R. And it reminds us of the personal nature of being in Christ. Listen, I can say that Jesus is my Lord, Savior, Redeemer, and King. And my question for you this morning is, is he, is he yours? Let me end with verse 5. God's salvation is ready to be revealed in the last time. Are you ready for the Lord's return? You know He's coming back, don't you? Listen, He came the first time and He lived a sinless life. And then he went to the cross at Calvary. He died for our sins. He was buried on the third day. He arose again. He appeared to over 500 witnesses. He ascended back to heaven. But the story doesn't end there, does it? Is it one of these days he's going to return? And so I want you to know this morning that Jesus is coming back. And, and, and then there's going to be a judgment. And you're going to stand before God. And we know how it's going to end. Revelation chapter 20 talks about this great white throne. Judgment. Revelation 20, verse 15 says, If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, the book of life is a, is a book of those who have believed upon Jesus, he, if you're not in that book, he will be thrown into the lake of fire. 
And so those who have never trusted Christ will be condemned to hell for all eternity. But oh, those who have been ransomed by the blood of Jesus, we will enter into eternity with Christ and we will be forever with the Lord. <coughs> That's the good news that we celebrate today. And listen, our hope is all based on what Jesus did for us 2,000 years ago on the cross and the assurance of His victory through His resurrection. And so the question for you as we prepare to close is, are you ready for His return? Jesus said in Matthew 24, 44, Therefore you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. And so let me say this to you. I, I, I'm glad you came today. I, I love having a full house. We, we celebrate that. But listen, apart from a life-changing relationship with Jesus, you're not getting any brownie points for showing up today. Many of you are not ready for the Lord's return. Many of you are still lost in your sins. And today, you are offered a living hope. You are offered Jesus Christ and His salvation. And let me just tell you the truth. If, if I were here and I was lost today, I wouldn't care how many people's in this room. If I was here today, outside of a relationship with Jesus, I would run to Jesus and I would plead for His mercy and forgiveness. It's offered to you today. We want you to be saved this morning. Ashley, she came this morning in the first service, and she's come before, but she said, it's time. It's time for me to be saved. Listen, if you're lost, you need to run to Jesus and experience His forgiveness. Listen, I, I want to plead with you to be saved this morning. I, I may never get another chance to, to speak to you again. Hear me. You need to be saved today. And Jesus invites you. To be saved today. He says, just deny yourself, turn from your sins, believe upon Jesus, and you'll be saved. I'd love for you to stand, and we're going to have an invitation. Let me just quickly explain that. Maybe this is new to you. At the end of the, the message, we sing, and we invite you to respond. And if the Lord has spoken to you in some way, I, we invite you to Come to Jesus to be saved. And if you have questions about that, if you don't understand all that I talked about today, or if you say, listen, I, I want to be in the family of God. I, I want my sins forgiven. I, I want Jesus to be my... Listen, if, if you want that today, I'll be down front, and I, I'd love for you to come, and I'd love to answer your questions. If, if you want to be saved today, I'd love to talk to you about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's pray, and <coughs> then we'll respond. Father, thank you for the cross for taking my sins and the sins of the world upon you. Thank you for the empty tomb. Thank you for salvation. Lord, we've already been able to taste and see your grace and mercy this morning, but, but we pray you'd pour it out. For those in this room, listen, we, we pray for those who are lost in their sins. We want them to celebrate salvation today. We want them to be saved. We plead for them today. We pray you'd give them courage to respond. Lord, if you're convicting their hearts, we pray that they'd be receptive. Lord, for those who aren't ready for your return, we pray that they get ready this morning. And we come in the saving name of Jesus, our Lord. <coughs>
Amen. Listen, I know it's Easter, but you're not here by accident. You've heard the gospel this morning. If God is convicting your heart, listen, don't, don't allow your heart to become callous. Don't, don't say, well, I, you know, there's too many people. Don't harden your heart today. You're invited to be saved, be brought into the family, have your sins forgiven, have an inheritance. We invite you this morning to respond. You, you respond now.
Amen. Thank you. Thank you, praise team. Thank you for being here today. You are awesome looking. Uh, I, I told the early service, we're kind of having a revival at the 830 service. And uh, we got three or four baptisms next week early. If you want to come and see those, you got to come early. Uh, but this uh, seems that the early group's been really responsive, and that's exciting. Uh, so anybody, if you want to come to the 830 service sometime, uh, you're welcome to. Uh, but thank you for being here today. Uh, thank you, children, for singing and for parents and grandparents for coming. And uh, for our guests today, we have a little booklet called What on Earth Am I Here For? And uh, we'd love to give you a Bible if you don't have one. Uh, I'll be in the back center door when you leave. I'd love to, to meet you if, if you're a guest. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, next Sunday, we're going to have a Next Steps class uh, after the second service. If you want to know uh, where to go next in your in your life, your Christian life, if you want to know more about the church, uh, just let us know. We'll have a uh, lunch and meet the staff, answer questions, uh, talk about spiritual gifts, areas to serve. That'll be next Sunday. Let us know if you'd like to partake in that. Thank you so much for being here, Danny. Thank you for. And just like always, the Dollar Club is the clear box on the way out on the left. The offering box is on your right. Um, there's a QR code on the back of your seat if you know how to use one of those. And uh, it's just good to see everybody today. We just thank you for coming out, and uh, let's pray together. Lord, we just thank you so much for this opportunity to come into your house. Lord, we thank you for just the story of, of Christ crucified and resurrected just for us, Lord. We just thank you so much for, for his love and for your love. And, Lord, just thank you for that gift. Lord, help us to go out this week and find somebody to tell it to. And uh, help us to not miss those opportunities when they come up, Lord. And just again, thank you for blessing this church. We just ask a blessing on every single person that's here today and, and every person that's just listening to your word. Lord, uh, just go with us as we go out this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.